Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Perspective Transformation Radio, enjoying its 10th anniversary, often the number one live airing broadcast on Blog Talk Radio, and reaching a global audience of over 185,000 listeners. During this hour-long interview-style program, you'll meet perspective transformers who come to share their most pivotal, life-changing insights and aha moments, offering you instant access to life, leadership, and God-loving seismic shifts of your own. We encourage you to invite friends to join you here now, or share posts with attribution, and also to reach out to our sponsor, WomenSpeakers.com, the most popular online connecting place for Christian event planners and Christian women speakers since 2002. I'm your host, Marnie Swedberg, and I encourage you to grab a notepad and get ready to meet today's Perspective Transformers. Hey everybody, it's Marnie. Welcome back to another edition of Perspective Transformation, and our guest today is Michelle Rooney. She's one of our speakers over at womenspeakers.com, and her website is michellerooney.org. During this hour, we are going to talk about bouncing back, how to rock our comebacks. Uh, we're going to discover how, what to do when reality bites, the art of bouncing back, the gift of bouncing back, how to face sucker punch situations, a model's inside strategies for dealing with imperfection and rejection, how to break out of the solitary confinement of the soul, Stories that prove God still heals today and how to think about your needs and the most important truth to know if you're serious about bouncing back. Our guest today is Michelle Rooney. She is living life free, free of loose ends, bondages, anxiety, confusion, and self-doubt. But getting there was a process. She's an author and speaker who shares hope and practical help for seasons that require bounce backs. And again, you can learn more about her over at michellerooney.org. Welcome to you, Michelle. Hi, Marnie. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you, and I love this topic because if we haven't had a, um, a something we needed to bounce back from recently, we will. <laughs> oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it sometimes feel like um, a lot of people say when I talk about some of the my lows in my life, people will say out loud to me, "I'm so glad to hear that because I thought I was the only one." And yeah. wow, it isn't unique to anybody to hit a low. Of course, oh my goodness, we all have them. So you have written a book called Bounce, and um. What, what motivated you to actually write it? Well, actually, um, the book was, I, I just want to give credit where it's due. It was completely God's idea. He just kind of dropped the idea into my heart one day. I had taught um, middle school and high school English and writing for years in the public school system and in a couple of private schools, and I have homeschooled my own kids um, who are now teenagers. And anyway, I love to read other people's writing, and I had a huge desire to do some of my own writing. And so I started to think about, you know, what did I like to write and speak about? And God kind of showed me, you know, you've been through a lot of really, some kind of unusual and unique, but some not so much, part of the human experience, but some really hard things. And he reminded me of how much he has brought me through and how much he has taught me and how much he has redeemed mm -hmm. those situations and um, used them for amazing good in my life and the lives of others. And he, and, and he sort of gave me the idea to um, share those things with other people. So, A, you know, I can share sort of how that came about, how he worked in my life and the things that he taught me to do so that they don't have to reinvent the wheel when they're in the middle of something difficult. 
and B, just to remind uh, others of his just ever-present goodness, that he heals, that he restores. This is not a story from 2,000 years ago, that he is very live and active in our lives right now. So Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I just had a huge desire to encourage other people, like you mentioned, that they're not alone, that we all experience um, setbacks, we all need comebacks, that we have a role in those, we have some responsibility in those comebacks, but certainly God's overwhelming provision and protection and love uh, is a huge, huge part of all of that. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Well, you have really great chapter titles in your book, and one of the first ones is Reality Bites. <laughs> I kind of wanted to dive into that a little bit because I really like that. It's like, oh, that is so true. Realities are sometimes really bite. <laughs> it, it really does. And, you know, I, I, was, I was trying to, when I started to lay the book out, um, I had some sort of very just traditional sort of stuffy sounding titles, and I thought I really wanted to kind of add some zing to it and make it interesting. And um, I was looking at the first chapter of the book, which really addresses um, rejection and abandonment and times when other people, you know, certainly we all have times when we've done something ourselves that we have to, we need redemption from and we need to learn from. Um, but sometimes, you know, we just are on the receiving end of just something that's really unfair and really not great and really hurtful. And that first um, bit about reality biting just kind of, it's like, you know, you put yourself out there, you have these great expectations, and sometimes it just doesn't go that way, and sometimes other people really hurt us. And so um, sometimes we're left just sitting before we figure it out and before we, you know, seek God going, this just really bites, for lack of a better way to say it, and it has bitten me hard, and I'm not sure where to go from here. And uh, so, yeah, it kind of came from that, but that, that deals with, you know, our hurts at the hands of others. And, you know, there are other chapters and things that deal with our hurts at the hands of ourselves and just sort of humanity and just being in a broken world, um, sometimes at the hand of our enemy, who we all know is here to kind of uh, throw us off course. But, um, but yeah, the reality bites came from um, just really hard uh, rejections. And so I've set up some vignettes uh, in Bounce, um, little personal experiences from my life and my family's lives that um, you know, some are financial or health-related or um, career-related or identity-related, and just to kind of try to find things that other people would for sure, I think, be able to identify with at least some of them um, and how how we come back from that. But, yeah, reality sometimes does bite, and we need God's redemption and healing, and we sure need to do our part to, to get back from it. Hmm. I think the main thing that I got out of it is just the, the fact that, when you're going through a low, when you're going through something that's really so difficult and painful and you do feel the bite of it, is that that's normal and that's, that's something to grieve through but not to stay in forever. <laughs> you know, you have to face it and say, this hurts, this is painful, this is, this is sad, but I don't have to live here. Absolutely. It's all about, you know, you do have to experience it because, you know, I've learned that if you don't fully allow yourself to experience it, then you're not going to really learn the lessons that you need to and you're not going to be able to fully heal. But it certainly doesn't need to be something that we wallow in or that we stay in because then if we do that, you know, we're missing our purpose. We're missing um, living in God's redemption. You know, he talks in his word all over about his healing and his redemption and being a new creation and working all things together for our good and all of these wonderful promises. And if we just kind of sit and mire in our you know, sad stew, then we never get to those places where we're living his purpose for us. But um, definitely we need to experience it and just go, man, this is reality mm-hmm. and it stinks right now. Um, and then we mm-hmm. kind of have to collect ourselves and go, okay, what do I need to do 
Uh, where's my strength? What do I have to do? What's my part in this to get out of it? And then we hand it all over to God and say, okay, what I can't do, I'm hoping you'll do, and he does. So um, so mm-hmm. definitely, mm-hmm. Though, I, I, we all have those times. And I think sometimes as Christians, as much as I love Christians and I am a Christian, we sometimes all pretend like everything's wonderful and we're not having hard times. And sometimes that does a disservice to others. And I think that we just need to be a little more authentic about experiencing hardship because every single person does. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to talk a little bit now about kind of the premise of bouncing back, which is there's two point, parts of it, the art of it and then the gift of it. So let's start with talking about the art of bouncing back. And I kind of like the concept of that. I kind of envision a ball with uh, paint all over it and then the ball's bouncing around making a pattern on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I love that. picture of how it's going to look different every time for everybody, but there is an art to it. So tell us the components of that. Like, what is that? Um, I definitely think, you know, just like anything we do in life, if you're a really great cook, there's kind of an art to that. People who season things without measuring and they just kind of taste and smell and stir and they they create this just these masterpieces, these culinary masterpieces, and it's kind of an art or um, an art of, you know, building things or some people are very, uh, have an art of doing business um, or parenting even. Um, and I do think there is an art to bouncing back. I've, you know, our, like I said, everybody, you know, I get to a certain age and I've got, you know, teenagers that are approaching their 20s and um, you've lived through enough stuff that you realize that it does take sort of an art to do that. So the components that I have learned, and certainly this is not definitive, everybody has their own version probably, but I feel like God really just sort of showed me through my stuff um, that there are a, a three big components to the art of bouncing back. One of those is taking responsibility. That's the first thing. You know, if, if we're in a hard situation and, and we have something that we need to own, apologize for, turn away from, change, uh, repent about, um, address with other people, that's, that's the first key. It's not a popular thing to say, hey, you have to take responsibility. Um, everybody doesn't always want to do that, myself included sometimes, but, um, but it's key to being able to bounce back from something. So, um, so much comes down to personal responsibility. So the first step of kind of being able to develop the art of bouncing back is taking responsibility. And the second thing um, I feel is huge uh, in that is being resourceful. So sometimes we don't have everything we need. Uh, most of the time we don't have everything that we need uh, to do uh, everything in life. And so we need to be resourceful in looking um, at what we do have and using what we can where we are and then tapping into resources outside of ourselves. Obviously God is first and foremost, but um, if we need a counselor, if we need a lawyer, if we need a teacher or a life coach or um, books or blogs or podcasts, whatever it is that we need to be um, resourceful about getting our hands on um, what's going to help us get to the next level. And that includes, I liken it to, I give an example about bootstraps. You know, you'll hear people say, well, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And I say taking responsibility is pulling yourself up by those bootstraps. Being resourceful is hey, wait, I don't have bootstraps. I better figure out how to make some. Um, So we kind of have to look around and figure out how we can get to that next spot. And the last part of that is having an expectant mindset, mindset, which is, of course, biblical. You know, everything comes back to belief. We even have to believe for our salvation, um, believe for our healing, believe for our redemption, believe for our restoration, and having an expectant mindset. You know, it's biblical. It's also scientific. 
if we come into a situation with a great attitude and expect good things, of course, things go better. So having that, that faith and that belief and that expectant mindset, kind of just even a good old-fashioned good attitude, um, makes everything better and uh, kind of clears the path for good things to, to happen. Mm, I love it. It's kind of like three legs of a stool. And if you're yeah. missing one, it's just going to be a wobbly ride, even if you're doing okay on the other two. Uh, one of the yeah. things that uh, comes to mind as you were talking about responsibility, and I so totally agree that this is a huge piece of it, because as long as we're just sitting in blame uh, or shame, then it's just can't move forward. We can't, we can't get any traction when we're mm-hmm. sitting there. But also there's kind of a more current thinking that says you're responsible for everything that happens in your life. And that's also an imbalance on that side where, of course, uh, yeah, we can't say that because there's evil in the world, it's your responsibility. So just to prayerfully consider what about this is my responsibility. And I remember being young married, Michelle, and my mother-in-law said to me that she had been confronted by somebody at work and it had been painful and she couldn't really see anything that she had done wrong. And she prayed through it and she said that God just showed her that there was this one little part that she had, she had done wrong and she could take responsibility for. And she said that she had learned from that experience that in almost every time that there's something going on, there's something that we could take responsibility for, even if it's just a very small part of it. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of how it is in our relationship with Christ, too. God does so much of the work. I mean, I would say, you know, if you put your finger and thumb together, how much space there is between those two, if you put them tight together, but just leave a little bit of space, that's our part. And then God stretches his arms out to the side and hangs on the cross all the way out to point to point to eternity. And that's his part, you know. So we have this little part. God is a big part. But when we're feeling really low and, like, we've been devastated in some way, Oftentimes, or almost all the time, I do believe that there is some point that we can take responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. And I do think, I agree with you completely that we have to be careful that we're we're not taking on the weight or responsibility of others because, you know, on a couple of things, first of all, that's harmful to ourselves. We, none of us is made mm-hmm. outside of Jesus to walk around bearing the, the weight of everybody else's mistakes right. and mishaps. But the other thing is it, does, it robs them of the experience of getting to be able to learn from their mistakes and what they need to take responsibility for. You know, but if we take it on, we're not allowing them um, the opportunity to to grow and to learn and to take on their own responsibility as well. But, yeah, it's it's a very um, delicate balance, and that's that's why we need Jesus. But, um, I, you know, as a former teacher, so many times I would see students, and I worked primarily with behavior disorder students and at-risk students, which – I don't love those labels, but um, they are there for a reason. But kids that had a lot of struggles or a lot of difficulty at home, and um, a lot of times the core of the problems they were having would come down to they're just not taking responsibility for their part. And um, so that always stuck out to me, that, and I, I would always pray, you know, Lord, show me an objective perspective here. Help me to be able to see this like you see it, like everybody else sees it. Let me be able to see it not just from my, you know, through my own goggles of how I can – justify it but um what i might need to fix and i think you know it it is is we have to be very careful to to do our part but not to take on everybody else's part yeah beautiful so the art of bouncing back includes the three parts of taking responsibility being resourceful and having an expected mindset and then the book also the other premise of the book is um 
the gift of bouncing back. So how does that differ then, the gift? Well, the gift, um, the art of bouncing back is just, you know, the, the simplest, most bottom line way I can describe it um, is just that, you know, the art is our part. It's, we need to develop this into an art. We're going to, um, just the reality of living in a broken world, we're all going to have lots of things, you know, to come back from. And sometimes even just little daily things that don't necessarily have to be huge and some things are uh, life-altering and devastating. And we just, if, if we can learn the keys to the art of bouncing back, we're going to just be so much better off. So the art is our part. The gift of bouncing back is God's part, um, and that's all of the stuff, and that's why I called it a gift, just the free and clear stuff that he just gives us because he is who he is and he loves us, um, and the stuff that he, he just does that we could never, you know, pay for, uh, learn about, do on our own behalf, um, that he just has to step in and, and loves to step in, and um, it does for us everything that he did for us in Jesus. Um, you know, scripture's full of promises um, about every situation pretty much that we can face. If it's a physical healing, it's a relational issue, if it's a money issue, whatever it is that comes across for us um, across the table of our lives, God's got promises in his word about how we can overcome those and how he will see us through those. And so the gift is his free part. Uh, you know, we do our part, and then there are stuff that we could, we lifting that is so heavy we would never be able to do it. So he steps in and he does all of that and just makes it, um, you know, he can take all those pieces of things that we might never be able to put back together and make it something just beautiful. So the gift of the bounce is learning to believe and rely on God to dig into his scripture and read and be encouraged in those promises and allowing him to just really work in our lives so that he can uh, complete what he's got for us so that we can live our lives according to his purpose and, of course, for his glory. Um, so the ultimate bounce back, you know, is, is found in his, his gift of it. Ultimately, mm-hmm. yesterday I was so sad about something. I was just—it had made me so sad that this thing had happened, and I went to God with it, and I was just praying and, um, you know, asking the question, you know, why should this? Why should I feel so sad about this? It's not me. It's not you know about me. It's, it just made me so sad, and God just in that moment, just in my spirit, invited me to just sit with Him. And he, there are so many things in the world that are sad and are tragic, are terribly tragic. And how he just sits in awareness of all of them at all times and yet remains in peace because he can oh. see the big picture and he's got it. And how he invites us into that position of peace with him. Ephesians 2, 4 says we are already seated in the heavenlies with him. That's present tense. And it's a choice of where we want to be when we're feeling those terrible feelings of loss, do we want to be on our own here trying to figure it out, or do we want to be sitting in the presence of God? And I think it's really cool because the art the art of it, the art part of it, is so different from um, from the uh, God's part of it. You know, it's, it's, they're both so important to recognize. Yeah, and you really, I mean, one really... Um... You know, I don't feel like it can be fully mutually exclusive. It can be exclusive from the other. God is, I mean, of course, he can do anything at any time, whether we participate or not. He's God. Um, but I do believe, you know, in, in, in the scriptures, there are certain parts of it where he calls us to participate, and mm-hmm. he calls us right. to do our part. And um, so I, I do think the, the ultimate bounce back comes when we engage in our part and we allow him to engage in his part, and um, and we recognize and remember by, you know, getting into his word and listening to other people's situations of victories and, and triumphs, 
that he really is, you know, a very living and active God. I think sometimes, you know, depending on uh, where people go to church or where they're at in their faith or their their walk with Christ, it's easy sometimes to sort of have that historic approach that, you know, there's this great figure, Jesus, who, you know, thousands of years ago did these amazing things. And I think it's just an important reminder that um, he is very living and active today, right now, in any situation, in every situation. And, um, you know, really, we can we can try as we might uh, from all directions. And if we don't invite him in to do his part and his gift, then our our part is for naught, ultimately. But But we have to do our part, and we have to allow him to do his part. And when we do both of those things and involve both of those components, we really – um, have a terrific comeback. So um, that's that's what I have learned, and our, our family has been through some very uh, unusual things. Some of them are some of them are usual, and some of them are um, just on the very rarer end of hard things. Um, we've had a couple of very miraculous healings in both my son and my husband um, over the years, and just it was a tremendous reminder that boy, there was not one thing I could have done outside of pray and believe. Um, that would have changed the situation that completely had to be God. And, and he did it. He did his thing. And um, I just, yeah, we have to do, we have to allow both parts to work. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think in many situations, that is our entire responsibility is the prayer. That's all we can yeah. do, that, that we aren't in a position to actually take any other action than just releasing it to God, standing in yeah. intercession for whatever it is, which is, which is a beautiful gift really, if we can see it that way. So let's go ahead. You have actually a story and a lesson that you teach for how to face sucker punch situations. Tell us that. <laughs> the sucker punch, um, and that's actually one of the, the titles, Inbounds. Um, and it's, it was the sucker punch for us was a, we had a huge dream in our family and we won't give too much of that away, but we, we had spent over a decade preparing for this just tremendous dream that was in our hearts that, um, we just really wanted badly, and we took every uh, step that we could to make that happen and um, went ahead and plowed forward, and, and it was it involved a huge move across the country. We spent lots of money and lots of time, lots of effort doing all of that and switching jobs and careers and so forth, and um, it just uh, didn't pan out the way we thought. There are a lot of details there that are within the chapter, but um, there were there were there was a lot that went wrong, and we ended up having to move back to where we had been, and there were all kinds of things that that went on there. But it was this huge death of a really big dream, and it felt like a huge sucker punch uh, right in the gut to us. To just we spent like I said over a decade preparing, praying about, planning for this uh, big thing, and we finally got to the the verge of it and jumped in and did it, and realized that it was a tremendous mistake. And was outside of God's will, and um, it it just felt like a sucker punch to the gut. And so um, we realized later on that we had a lot of signs along the way that we were not supposed to um, move ahead with this particular situation. And we wanted it badly enough that we sort of ignored those signs. And we kind of, um, I mean, I I don't like to put it into actual words because I think it sounds terrible, but we kind of thought we knew better, you know, even even than God, I guess, because we really didn't listen to him. He was trying to show us um, a different plan and a different direction and a different trajectory, and we just thought we knew best, and we plowed ahead with it, and it became very expensive on many levels, you know, financially, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. Um, it was a very expensive set of lessons, and so 
Um, we just had to really examine that. Uh, when we finally got through all of it and got a little bit settled and could think and got moved and furniture back where it was supposed to go and everything else and kind of went, okay, whoa, you know, what what just happened and what was our part of this and how can we come yeah. back from this? But, but there were several components. You know, we had to deal with, okay, we spent 10 years dreaming this. Um, we don't have that dream in our hearts anymore. It was an error. Um, does God have other dreams for us? Um, will he turn this around and fix what we what we messed up? Um so we really had to, that particular one, I think dealing with some of our, our sucker punch situations just kind of comes down to giving some of them time. Sometimes there's just nothing other than some time. Um, it took a little bit of time to just sort of lick our wounds and move through that and then just really rely on God to say, look, I'm not sure um, where we went fully wrong and how we can course correct, but I'm relying on you to do that. And he and he did do that, and he gave us new dreams in our hearts and new directions. Yeah. Direction. But um, but that's that. You know, we have those things where sometimes it's the result of someone else. But that was pr- completely on us. We we ignored the signs because we wanted something badly enough. And um, boy, I tell you, we learned that living outside of God's will is not someplace that we want to be ever again. Correct. <laughs> um, right. Choosing uh. to do that um, was a big mistake, and it, nothing went right when we did that. And so. Um, so, yeah, those sucker punches, um, they're sometimes our own doing. They're sometimes just situational. But sometimes they just take a little time, and we really have to allow God to uh, lay out a new plan and recognize his plan and just just heal for a little bit. Hmm. Did you go through a period of time afterwards where you felt afraid to trust? Oh, absolutely. We, we My husband and I spoke often about how did we miss that fully and how did we allow ourselves to uh, talk ourselves into something that clearly when we looked back there were not just one but many little signs here and there and red flags that we should have heeded and should have seen more clearly and we definitely said gosh how do we trust our judgment how do we trust ourselves how do we trust this dream Um, so yeah it's it's just that was one of those elements of um, just taking some time and allowing God to just go you know what you know, hey, kid, you kind of messed up, but I love you anyway. And um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like we do with our kids, you know, hey, I love you anyway, and I've got right. some great things for you. Um, so, yeah, but it did take a little while to trust again, to trust our own um, instinct and intuition and to trust our own, um, okay, so are we moving ahead with this because we're supposed to and it's part of God's will or because we really want to? You know, we just had to really examine mm-hmm. those things forward. Yeah. I really love the book of Ecclesiastes. So many people hate that book. But to me, it's the book of a person, of a king, who's been given some gifts. He's been given wisdom. He's been given witches. And he's been given power. He can basically do anything he wants. And he just spends his whole life chasing after every last thing he thinks might make him happy. (laughs) And then at the very end, the last verse, verse, the last two verses says, all has been heard. The end of the matter is this. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or evil, is going to be judged. So it's just this point that he gets to at the end of his whole searching and trying and trying to get what he wants. He just gets to the same point you guys got to where if it isn't God, I don't want to do it. You know, this is the whole purpose of this whole life yeah. here is to live it with God and if he doesn't want me there no matter how much I think I want it I don't want it I don't want it 
Absolutely. I'll tell you, there was a lot there that just was very, very um, alluring, you know, a career and, and potential for more money and potential for different relationships. And uh, it just seemed such like a great plan. And when we realized that it wasn't God's will for us, that he had something different, which, by the way, ended up being way, way, way better, um, we just uh, we thought, gosh, just nothing worked. Every single step was a tremendous amount of effort, and it was because it wasn't his plan. And, you know, it took me a while in my growing up and maturing to realize he doesn't have a plan just because he's being bossy. You know, he doesn't want to just right. um, say my plan yeah. because I can because I can do that and because I'm God. He does it because he loves us, and he's given us certain uh, inclinations and gifts and relationships and things we can bring to the world that um, he wants to use, and um, that's why we're sometimes not happy when we're not in his will. It's not because he's, you know, he's not punishing us, he's not um, withholding things from us, but when we're walking outside of his plan, it just doesn't work the way he divinely intended it to. And, yes, we absolutely learned we do not want to be doing that ever again. It was a miserable place to be, and it took us a little bit of doing to learn that. Um, but we've said many times, you know, the, the money that we spent moving across the country and the time that we spent switching jobs and everything else, um, it was well worth it because it was a very, very priceless lesson that we learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and God, I love that God brings good out of everything we yield to him. Uh, he, there is good there is good in even yeah, I, I always call him my big safety net. I can just go running across the tightrope because I know that he's underneath me to catch me if I make a false step, if I miss it and to lose my balance. It's okay. <laughs> Bounce back, right? Okay. Yeah. Thank God <laughs> for that, that, right? Oh, it is such a mercy that we don't yeah. have to do it all perfect in order for it to be used by him. In fact, he could really care less how we do it. All he cares is that we submit it to him. Uh, yep. You know that we're that we're just doing it with him in relationship with him, and then how we do it is very, very a very little relevance. It's again back to that little part that's our part, and most yep. of it's his part. For a season Absolutely. of your life, you served as a runway model, and mm-hmm. you actually had to deal with some uh, reality checks there about rejection and imperfection. So talk to us about that because I think most of us deal with that even if we're not oh, runway models. <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was a little period of time when I was trying to go to college, and I didn't ever plan to do that. I actually just had, you know, someone had suggested to me, hey, you know, this, there's this pageant in town, and they're giving away a certain amount of money and scholarships, and I needed the, the assistance financially for school. So I entered that first little thing just to kind of try to win some money to do that. And um, then one of the ladies who was running that said to me, oh, well, hey, you know, you, you did a great job. Why don't you come over here and do this on this? you know, a little bridal show or this little show over here. And it kind of started out that way and then took off from there. Um, and, and I was able, you know, the upside of it was I was able to make a good deal of money in short periods of time um, that I wouldn't have been able to do. I, I waited a lot of tables over a lot of years while I was going to school. And <laughs> I made way better money modeling than waiting tables. But, um, you know, it was, you learned a lot about, boy, I, you know, talk about, self-conscious you're standing in a room full of people while they take your picture in a bathing suit with all your body imperfections and at a young age um especially if you've dealt with any kind of rejection or anything you know which most of us have from some direction or another um it's very very difficult and um sort of the whole point was of you know of that whole story was aside from the modeling which was important and unique and all of that 
was um, <clears throat> just how I allowed myself to, I disappointed myself. I Rather than focusing on my college classes, I mean, I needed the money from the modeling jobs to pay for college, but I allowed myself to get way off course. I became consumed with the um, lifestyle of just constantly trying to do better, be more, not be rejected, be called for more jobs, make more money for school. And so I became very, very um, dangerously thin um, to try to be approved by people who were wanting me for jobs. Um, I started to cancel on plans with friends and family and was hardly seeing them anymore. I was staying up very, very late for jobs and then getting up very, very early for school and drinking sick amounts of caffeine and starving myself here and there. And um, I did a bunch of stuff that, you know, with regards to the things I mentioned that I said I would never do and got way off focus. And so um, it was a huge, huge lesson to me to uh, stick with what, you know, God is calling you to do and not allow yourself to get pulled off course and sidetracked in such a way. I was doing it with good intentions. You know, I was trying to uh, pay my way through school to better myself, but um, got very sidetracked along the way and just I disappointed myself hugely, and in, in the in the course of disappointing myself, I disappointed others. I, my relationships went to the wayside. Um, I ended up very sick, you know, sickly and thin, and uh, full of anxiety and feeling the rejection of, you know, you stand in front of a room full of people, they're taking your picture, they point out every little tiny scar or hair or stretch mark, and you know, as a young girl, we all feel most young girls at some point feel very self-conscious about how they look anyway. And to have people staring at you and shining lights on you and pointing out every flaw, um, it's just not a good, it's not, it's not a good encouraging uh, environment for, for young ladies. I didn't experience it that way. Uh, like I said, it did pay for some of my school, so I'm glad I got to the point where I was able to get my teaching degree and teach later on. So that was great. But the biggest lesson for me was concession, learning that um, – even though I thought I was above doing that, which is a little embarrassing to admit, uh, I thought I was strong enough in my my moral compass and faith and everything to not allow myself to get pulled off course, but I, I really conceded in a lot of areas uh, in order to continue to get that approval and acceptance and book more jobs and make more money, and it became it became a very difficult situation. When I was thinking about it, and you told a specific story about um, somebody getting very in your face about a little flaw that you had, and mm-hmm. I was thinking about how opposite that is from what Jesus does with us. He covers every major flaw. <laughs> so that when you know when God sees us, He looks at us and He sees the perfection of Jesus because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, and it's so breathtaking to realize that in a world where uh, the norm is to compare, to belittle, to point out flaws, that God God's norm uh, for His children is to draw us near and to look at us as the finished product, as the final gem, as the purified ones that we will be in the future and it's such a wonderful place to live oh definitely and you know the other thing too and that's beautiful i love what you just described there about him covering our flaws while the world points them out and um, the other thing that was a huge lesson for me was that you know i didn't realize that i was coming to the point where i relied only on myself and the people immediately around me in the world who were determining my future as far as jobs went for approval for provision for acceptance 
and instead of mm. relying on God for those things. And I came back to that point later on and I realized, wait a minute, what am I doing? And I needed to go to God for that acceptance and for his approval and for his provision for my life. And I didn't need to rely on um, whether or not someone I thought I was good enough for a job or whether or not people applauded or whether or not they made me feel good that day. Um, it was more about I'm supposed to be relying on him for those things. He accepts me no matter what. He loves me no matter what. He provides for me. That's his promise. And so going to, I was going to myself and to other people for what I was supposed to be going to God for. And that was a lesson that I'm hoping uh, can save some other people from reinventing that same wheel and learning um, to rely on God for those things instead of going down the path of uh, completely relying on self, which is um, a mistake, <laughs> to say the least. Well, and I think I think that the analogy and the illustration is so powerful because most of us feel like um, if you had if you had the beauty to be able to do the you know be a model and all that, that certainly things would have been different for you than how they are for the average looking woman. You know, you that you would have had so much more, you know, grace and opportunity like that. And you come at it from this other side where, yeah, well, but then you have all this criticism because you're expected now to be not just beautiful, but also perfect. Yeah, it was very, very, um, just such a critical environment. And, and it wasn't because anyone was, I don't think, I don't believe in my heart that they were ever intending to be difficult or cruel um, they were just trying to, you know, it was all about their product. So if they had something they were advertising, they were, their job was to get the best photo, to get the best poster, to get the best ad. And so they were just doing their job. But in the meantime, you know, they're leaving what I kind of liken to sort of metaphorical body bags around by just completely annihilating mm-hmm. people's self-esteem and self-respect and, mm-hmm. um, you know, self-acceptance. And so, and of course, in order for that to happen, we had to sort of buy into that. And they can't do that to us if we don't allow it. And I got to a point where I allowed it because I thought that that lifestyle was going to provide me with things that nobody else or no place else could. Forgetting as a young person, you know, I was 19, 20, 21 at this time, that God was that and God should be that. Um, but, yes, it was it was a became, – became a terrifying place uh, to live after a while. It seemed very glitzy and glamorous, of course, at the beginning and – as time went on, it, it became, um, you begin to see how much of it is smoke and mirrors. There's really, you know, there aren't people that are more beautiful or more worthy than anybody else. It's just all, it's makeup, it's photos, it's editing, it's smoke and mirrors, most of it, almost all of it a fallacy. So um, that mm-hmm. becomes very evident as you're doing that as well. It kind of segues into our next um, topic, which is solitary confinement of the soul. So tell us, like, when you discovered that there could be a solitary confinement of the soul and, and what what you did about it, what we could do about it. Um, well, you know, um, I grew up in a way that I, you know, I, I grew up without knowing my father. And um, so there, that just provides and, and creates some trust issues for young people. And I had many students over the years who grew up without a parent or without both parents. Um, and then, of course, just regular life stuff, you know, if we're rejected from a friendship or from a certain group of people or a clique of people at school or whatever, all of those things create um, little pains here and there for us, some pains bigger than other pains. And I think for me, I realized as I got a little bit older and when I was getting ready to have my kids, it was a big um, time that I realized I had started to kind of wall myself off to 
prevent pain. And it was never something I set out to do. I didn't think, oh, I'm going to put up these walls and wall the whole world out <clears throat> and live by myself. Excuse me. Um, but it was just there was this pain, there was that pain, there was that rejection. And pretty soon I thought, you know, I was, I'd kind of rather be alone than be hurt more. And I didn't realize that I was thinking that way. It wasn't a conscious process. It was sort of an unconscious doing. But then I realized, you know, the pain of isolation and loneliness is just deep. It's a very difficult place to be. And the Bible talks about how we're created for relationship. And, you know, what I learned is that, you know, we have an enemy who's out to kill and to steal and destroy. And when we isolate ourselves, much like the wounded gazelle in a herd, you know, know, (laughs) we're just a lot easier to take out. Or when we're traveling alone behind the pack or we're separated in some way, boy, that enemy and that tiger, that lion can come right in and just, just pull us away and just tear us apart. And when we set ourselves away from every relationship and we, because we don't want to be hurt, again, it starts out as a good thing. It seems very alluring and enticing to just not be wounded anymore and I can take care of myself kind of thing. Um, but boy, the loneliness begins to just really tear at your soul. You need people. We're created to need people. And uh, when you're alone, everything looks different. Our perspective becomes a little bit skewed when we don't allow anybody in to our hearts. And the enemy can really work those lies in your head. Um, We can buy into a lot of things that are not true about ourselves, that are not biblical, Mm -hmm. that are not what God says. And um, pretty soon, you know, anxiety, depression, all of those things start to set in when we continue to isolate ourselves. And so I think we have to be very careful. Of course, we, you know, self-protection is, you know, we have our built-in emotions as, as a means of self-protection, and we have to set boundaries, and all of those things are healthy. But when we over-boundary ourselves and we set up big walls and we isolate from other relationships, uh, it is not a healthy place to be, and our perspective begins to, to fall off the wayside a little bit, and we become very easy targets for the enemy and his lies and and his deception and his, uh, uh, you know, it it takes us to a very dark place. And so I started to realize um, I was just feeling bad. I was dealing with some anxiety. I was dealing with some depression. And I started to pray. I'm like, Lord, show me what is going on. Why am I feeling so bad? And I started to realize I'm kind of walling myself off from the world. And what do you expect them to do? You know, you're not letting them in. They're not going to stand there and knock forever. Um, so I had to really seek God's healing on that and start to trust people again. And, you know, everything, we all have people that have hurt us and instances that have hurt us. So in no way am I trying to make mine sound worse than anybody else's. I just, for whatever reason, allowed it to affect me in a way that I started to, to remove myself and it wasn't a a healthy place to be. Mm. When my sister was living in Colorado, there was a, story in the news about a family who had gone up into the mountains hiking and as they were going along it was the dad the mom the little girl and then there's a little six-year-old boy and he was so he was having so much fun and he would run up ahead and then he'd sit down on the path and wait for them to come or whatever you know how kids are they're just there's so much energy so he'd run up and he'd run back like that and they kept him you know within a close amount of space to them but he was running off ahead by himself and at one point they came around a corner and he had run around the corner and a mountain lion had been tracking him and noticing that he was alone a lot of the time Uh, and they came around the corner and had killed him already in that just few moments of 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 separation from his family such a sad uh, sad story and i remember just how god just it looked 
like an arrow to my heart and said, if you separate yourself from my children, if you get out of fellowship with people who love me and know me and value me, you become like that little child. You become very vulnerable to lies, to deception, to depression, to all kinds of things that you are not vulnerable to when you're with the group, when you're with a bunch of Christians who are going to help support you. So totally love this story and um, the reminder, in order to bounce back, you're going to have to come out of isolation. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, no, I love the story that you shared. It's a, hor- a horrific story, but it's it's exactly um, uh, a great comparison for how we are when we get out of relationship and out of, you know, away from the pack, um, so to speak. And, and we really need to allow those good people and healthy people in and close to us and, and have our relationships um, so that we're not as vulnerable. Hmm. I do want to spend a couple of minutes. You have a couple of stories from your life of some really amazing healings. And I want you to just share uh, maybe just two with us right now uh, that would help us to understand that this God that we serve, like you mentioned it earlier in the program today, this God that we serve is still alive and well, and he's still active and he still really wants to engage in our immediate needs, not just in the big global save you forever need, but also in our daily needs. Oh, absolutely. It is. um, Well, first, I just want to say it's really imperative to get God's word deep into your heart, read it, memorize it, know it. And when I was younger, people would say, oh, we're memorizing our weekly verse or whatever. I used to think, well, I'm not really sure what the point is of memorizing it. I can look it up at any time. And I can tell you now from experience that when we're in a difficult situation, (laughs) I maybe can't think you know, I maybe don't have access to a Bible right then, or I can't think clearly enough because it's a, a terrifying situation to sit and flip through my Bible, um, to have that scripture at the ready in my heart um, to pull out and pray back to God and just as a, an encouraging reminder is phenomenal. So I would encourage people um, all over to, to get to know God's Word and just really commit it to memory and commit it in your heart um, because, you know, there's a reason why he tells us to hide it in our hearts and to know it uh, because there are times when we need to call upon it. But um, one of the, you know, I'll give you the very, very nutshell version, but one of the healings that was uh, miraculous is my son. He was four years old at the time, and he contracted um, a very rare form of staph in his lung and had a staph infection in his lung. We have still to this day no idea where or how he got that. So there was the rarity of that, and it led to a whole procession of things. He had septic shock and multisystem organ failure and um, a boatload of things that, we still can't fully explain. He had at one time six different disorders going on in his body while he was in the ICU mm-hmm. that were all, they all had a mortality rate of close to 100%. And oh. uh, we were told, he was on life support, he was unconscious, and um, we were told nightly for weeks that he was not going to make it through the night and that we should make sure we told him that we loved him. And the doctor came in, I remember one of the first nights we were in the ICU after he had stopped breathing and got put on a ventilator, and they said, um, you should know that now that we know what he has, he's only the eighth case in the United States, and the other seven children have died. Mm. And so uh, talk about, I mean, it, was, it took me almost five years, and my husband as well, before we could speak about this without just breaking into sobs. It's been many years now, and he's doing amazing. But um, so we literally, you know, we kind of looked at each other through tears and through gags. And, you know, I mean, I I started to pass out from the stress. I never pass out. I'm not a fainter, but I would pass out. My husband started to vomit from the stress. It was just so overwhelming. And um, we just 
kind of looked at each other and said, we have to pray. We have to just, every scripture we know about healing, we just have to pray. And we did, and by no means am I saying there's a, a magic formula, but the Bible does call us to bring God in remembrance of his word and to pray back those scriptures. And so what we did was, um, you know, we played worship music in his room quietly so that it didn't disturb him. But we spoke only good things. That, you know, the, the staff would come in and say, you know, he's he's dying, this or that is happening. We'd say, we appreciate it. We understand the reality of the situation, but we would prefer if you just wouldn't say that over and over by him where he can hear it and speak that over him in his room. And we prayed back all of God's scriptures about healing, and I kept saying, you know, you're – you're, this is something, I don't know how everybody will feel about this, but this kept coming to my mind. And I remember being in the ICU and just saying out loud, your son died so that mine wouldn't have to, <laughs> to God. And I kept praying back that scripture. But anyway, fast forwarding to the end of things, it was a, a multi-month process of uh, in the ICU. Um, but he had he started to come back. Blood, blood tests started to show organ function coming back. And um, you know, they said, well, we're going to take him off the ventilator, see if he can breathe on his own, and he could, which was remarkable given the situation. Um, they said he probably won't recognize you. He probably will be mentally impaired. He had no brain damage. Immediately when they took him off the ventilator, he said, hi, Mama, and he remembered all these details mm-hmm. of everything that happened, even when he was under. Um, he was not able to walk for a while. He was in a wheelchair for a bit and had used a walker, but, um, you know, they said he'll be he'll be deaf um, from the damage, and he's a phenomenal accomplished musician he can hear perfectly fine um they said he'd never walk again he plays basketball and walks and runs everywhere Mm. so (laughs) he's written up in medical Mm. journals he's a miracle bona fide miracle and um we share that to say it wasn't because we're the rooney family or because we did anything special we did what god's word calls us to do and we relied 100 percent on god and what he did through christ and we completely believed in our hearts and that was a grace of god thing too because it's difficult when you're looking at your baby uh, puffy and on a ventilator and unconscious uh, to believe that he's going to be okay when they're telling you that he won't be right. back. We believed that, you know, we kept saying, God, I, he gave us the grace to just fully believe because I fully believed in my heart that he was going to make him okay. And I'm not, there's no other place that would have come from except from him. So um, he is our miracle. He's doing amazing. Uh, he made a full recovery. And uh, I just, I mm-hmm. tell that story um, because, I think sometimes people don't realize that that still happens. And it was a, it was not one of those things where you can say, oh, well, maybe it was a miracle, maybe it wasn't. It was. We had a doctor who was not a Christian who was in the thick of all of that, and he pulled us aside on the way out and said, you have to tell me about what you were doing in there because that doesn't happen, and I want to hear about it. <laughs> so, oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, it was a very remarkable healing. He's very present, God, and, and Jesus, um, what he did for us is is truly miraculous. Mm, so beautiful, so beautiful. And you yeah. had another another kind of major one, too. Yeah, just uh, two years ago, my husband, um, bless his heart, at 46 years old, had a massive heart attack. Um, we have since found out that there was a little bit of a genetic component. We couldn't figure out why that happened. He was young. He was mm. healthy. He's never been overweight. He didn't smoke. He was exercising when it happened, um, but he had two arteries collapse 100% at the same time, including the Widowmaker. And, uh, uh, yeah, we, he was given a 1% to 3% chance of survival and had a ton mm-hmm. of damage to his heart. He had to, uh, they put a, a pump within his heart to pump for him because his heart was too weak to pump on its own. He had congestive heart failure. Um, like I said, 15%, he could, you know, barely catch his own breath. Um, but he has also made a, a tremendous recovery. He's, you know, we're two years out, so 
uh, there are still a handful of things he can't fully do that he could do before. But, um, again, our doctor said, and uh, all these doctors I love, you know, they pull aside because they see this, this science all the time and how things sometimes right. don't work. And he said, you know, you, we have to attribute this to the man upstairs because this is a, a phenomenal recovery. But he's he's got most of his heart function back, and he wow. does most things that he did before. works full-time again and, um, you know, does all kinds of – he does yard work and does – you know, he can't go off alone now in a kayak like he used to do um, because it's just not safe for him to be fully alone in case something should happen again like that, doing something overly physical. But uh, he's made a remarkable recovery, and it was also very miraculous. And boy, we prayed our heads off for him, too, and um, God really intervened. Yeah. <laughs> we, we trust him. We've learned. We've learned. It took us a little bit of a, a little bit of doing, but we've learned to trust him mm. 100% in every situation. So mm. thankful. Mm. At the end here, we want to just talk about the most important truth to know if you're serious about bouncing back. And I want you to just address this because, honestly, everything that we've been talking about is kind of summed up in this, in this thought. I'm sorry? Okay. I'm sorry. So I'll help you. I'm not sure if it cut out there. So the, our identity in Christ is the most important truth to know when we're thinking about bouncing back from anything to recognize that God has loved us. His identity is love. He is love and he has spoken truth into our lives. And that as we start to bounce back, as we, as we look forward to that, this is the most important um, kind of the glue that holds it all together. Definitely. And it, it did cut out a little bit there. I apologize for that, Marnie. So thanks for repeating. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah. yeah, no, there's a um, a whole section here in Bounce about um, our identity. And I never used to understand as a new Christian what that meant. People would say, oh, your identity is in Christ. And, you know, I was like, you know, that's nice. <laughs> I just really didn't understand what that meant <laughs> until I got older. And, I, you know, you go through your own journeys of trying to find your identity in other places. And, you know, for centuries people have been trying to build towers to the sky and doing artwork and, um, eating and drinking things and smoking things and doing all kinds of things that they think is going to help them to find their identity and going on ventures and you know adventures across the the sea and all kinds of things and um, ultimately to come back so many times and find out that you know from the beginning we've had to kind of look inward and upward uh, to find where I, I, our identity lies. Um, but so many things in our lives. I, I liken it to a collage. You know, we pick up different pieces early on from our families, but certainly, you know, teachers, coaches, pastors, friends, and peers, even celebrity figures that we may, you know, like or admire. We we sort of stick these things get stuck to our collages of our identity, and some of them are true, and some of them are not. And I, I you know, kind of say throughout the course of our lives, we have to reassess those collages and maybe pull off some pieces that aren't accurate or reposition some to the middle of the collage or put some on the periphery, uh, add new things. But ultimately it comes back down to God's word and what he has purposed in us and what he says about us, which is, you know, that we are a new creation, that we're an heir, that we're his. All of these, more than a conqueror, the head and not the tail, and all of these wonderful things that he tells us in his word um, and all of the things that he has put within us, each each of us as individuals to um, – develop and prepare and share with the world for his purposes and glory. And so our identities, you know, if we allow them, can come from all kinds of places, but ultimately they come from God through Christ. And figuring that out um, is something that I address a little bit in Bounce and how to get there. 
but yes, ultimately, for everything else to work, we have to understand what our identity in Christ is for sure. Mm, so beautiful. I'm excited. I'm excited that we got to have you on today and share this stuff. And you guys definitely want to check out the book Bounce as well as Michelle's website, which is michellerooney.org. Um, Michelle, if people go over to your website, what are they going to find there? Uh, they will find uh, the link to womenspeakers.com, which is wonderful. So they can find all <laughs> kinds of information about some of the topics that I speak on. They can find information on how to find the book. Um, I have a link to my blog, which I'm currently updating. There are a few on there. They're not all on there. Um, but there's all kinds of information there about my background and what I can um, hopefully contribute to whatever organization would be so gracious as to have me. Um, and, again, the, the purpose is not self-promotion. The purpose is God promotion. So just trying to use what I've learned the hard way to to help some other people. And so I was. there were a, cu- a couple of key people over the years that were very encouraging to me. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping to do the same thing for others. But, yeah, they'll find that information on the on the website, how to get the book, where to go for that, um, speaking topics and engagements and uh, all events and all that kind of stuff. So I, I so appreciate being able to be a guest on your show today, Marnie. It's been a pleasure. Um, I love your website. I love keeping up with you. Thank you so much for having me. Great. And before you go, do you have a favorite Bible verse right now or maybe a theme verse for life? Um, Proverbs twenty one twenty one. I love, um, which says, he who pursues righteousness and love finds life prosperity and honor and i guess Mm -hmm. i just feel like you know pursuing that pursuing righteousness doing the right thing and pursuing to be you know godliness holiness uh, pursuing righteousness and love uh, so much is just encompassed in love love is an overused word sometimes but it's it's just huge what it means biblically um he who pursues he who pursues righteousness and love finds life which is amazing prosperity and honor and so much is encompassed in that verse. I just absolutely love it. And, of course, Romans 8, 28, um, he, you know, he works all things for good for those who love God or are called according to his purpose. That's the whole, you know, that's balance in a nutshell, how he works it all together, regardless of what we've done or anybody else has done. It's just all put together. If we let him, he makes it amazing. So, um, no, thank you for asking. Wow. Well, thank you so much. And, you guys, you're going to want to go over and check out michellerooney.org. Or over to womenspeakers.com, you'll find her there as well. As, uh, there's over a thousand speakers that you can check out, uh, some near you. And if you want to search by topic, just click on the most recent topic button on the right-hand side, and then that'll give you a space bar. You can type in any topic category you're interested in and find your speaker. It's been so great to have you with us this afternoon. It's always such a delight to share this hour with you each week. If you would like to learn more about uh, my ministries over at Marnie.com, M-A-R-N-I-E.com, you can learn more about the radio show at PerspectiveTransformation.com. And a lot of you are asking, where are all those awesome training programs from before from Marnie's Friends? And that's just it, Marnie'sFriends.com. Over 250 training modules with experts that can help you to do life better and more enjoyable. So thanks for joining us. Have a wonderful day. See you next time. Bye-bye.